Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing the chilling adventures of Sabrina Part 2. Because they call them parts and not seasons for some weird reason. We've discussed this before. It's because it's intellectual. That's stuff. intellectual. Exactly. How you doing, Damask? Yeah, pretty good. It's nice and early here, so I've just mm. woken up, slapped some makeup on, and I'm um, ready to talk TV. Got a bit of, bit of coffee going. Oh, yeah, the old Macca's coffee. It's the way to start the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get going today, I did want to talk briefly to our listeners about what's happening with the podcast at the moment. Don't you talk to them. If you... Don't you dare. <laughs> How dare you. Uh, if you are an avid listener, you may have noticed that our release schedule has not been as timely as it once was. Mm. Things are just a little bit full on at the moment. Uh, uh, you would remember that Damask is uh, started a university course. Mm. She's got a lot of stuff going on I'm there. I'm growing my brain. Which is great. And mm-hmm. it's going to help. Like The podcast is going to be better for it. Uh, but the podcast means we can't get out as often as we used to. So you may have also noticed that I didn't say each and every, ep- every, every week in the uh, opening anymore. I'm saying every episode for now. Just so you get sort of... Uh, don't expect this to come out every week. No. Expect We're it probably every other week. Fortnight or two weeks as... Americans say, because they don't like the word Fortnite for some reason. Well, now it's just this giant video game oh, phenomenon yeah. that all the kids are dancing to. And stuff. I True. don't know. It comes up all the time when I'm at work. Anyway, <laughs> every two weeks, we're going to try and definitely have a podcast out. At different times, maybe when Damas schedule's a little bit better, we may try and do more. Mm-hmm. Um, get back to that weekly schedule, bits and pieces here. But for now, expect this every two weeks. Um, hopefully, you guys are cool with that. Let us know. Sorry. Talk to us on social media. We'll still be around. Just I'm not, not sorry. podcasting as much. Uh, but we are definitely going to keep going. Uh, you say it like we're like leaving forever. It's I just, just every other week. I just want to make sure that it, the, the expectation <laughs> is out there and it's clear. Right. Yep. We'll be here just every two weeks instead of every week. For we'll now. always be with you. <laughs> there, that's better. Yeah. Yeah. We'll always be there in your Well, there will be a, pod, a podcast released in your heart every week. <laughs> just if you look inside, you'll find that there. It's there. You just got to believe. <laughs> and if it's not there, it's because you're not believing hard enough. <laughs> It's your Your fault. fault. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get to it. Off topic, hot topic. Uh, That's whatever you were talking about for you. Off topic, hot topic is our news and views segment. We get to talk about the headlines of the TV world and discuss the stuff we've been watching that is not this week's season of television. If you'd like to contribute a topic or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com, tweeting us at huntingscast, or messaging us on Instagram at huntingseasonspodcast. I should have said this this episode or this episode season of television, not this week's, because yeah. we said 
this is not a weekly podcast right now. I'm sure they'll get over it. Better watch Saul. <clears throat> Emily from Kentucky writes, <laughs> The female lead in Better Call Saul is phenomenal. I've never seen a character like her. She has a full professional life and full personal life, and I'm trying to be so vague, but she's so worth watching, and you're going to dig her damask, end quote. Thank I, see, you. I thought it was going to be a joke that you're going to, this is going to be a segment moving forward, but apparently <laughs> it's not a joke. It's, um, it's going to be a thing. Thank Good. you, Emily from Thank Kentucky. You, Emily. And if you uh, have any other sort of reasons that Damash should want to continue mm. uh, watching Better Call Saul, uh, whether that's Emily from Kentucky or anybody else, please send them our way via email or whatnot, and we'll include them uh, in a future segment of Better Watch Saul. Uh, headlines <laughs> for you. Be- Speaking of Better Call Saul, mm. Better Call Saul won't be back until 2020. Uh, this comes from William Hughes at the AV Club. Per an AMC Network president, Sarah Bennett- Barnett, sorry, interview, the discussion decision to delay the show until next year was driven by talent needs and refused to give any hint about how longer how much longer the critically acclaimed Vince Gilligan series might continue at AMC. That's basically it. They haven't started filming yet, or if they've just started filming, Mm. it's taken a while to get going, so it's not going back until next year. Okay, well, we've got a bit of time to watch it. That's what I was thinking. This should be part of of the segment. It should have been. You should watch it, because you've got time to catch up now. Okay, well, I'll watch it, but we will have to make the podcast once a month. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, John Cho, Mustafa Shakir among four cast in Netflix live action Cowboy Bebop series. This news comes from Joe Otterson at Variety. Uh, John Cho, known for his role in the reboot Star, Star uh, Trek film franchise, as well as the Harold and Kumar films, will star as Spike Spiegel, described as an impossibly cool bounty hunter with a deadly smile, wry, wry wit, and style to spare. Shakir, who recently starred in season two of the Marvel Netflix series Luke Cage, uh, as well as the HBO series Deuce, uh, The Deuce, will play Spike's partner Jet Black. Rival bounty hunter and femme fatale Faye Valentine will be played by Danielle Pineda. Pineda? Pineda, I think, of Jurassic World, The no, Fallen Kingdom. Pineda. <laughs> of Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, The D2 and Inside Amy Schumer, uh, and Alex Hassel of This Bisexual, which I know you've watched, mm-hmm. and Genius. Uh, he will star as Vicious, which is uh, Spike's arch nemesis. Um, are you familiar with any of those actors? You'd know Joe, uh, John Cho at the very least, I think. Who's John Cho? John Cho. Harold and Kumar, were you not listening oh, to what yeah, I just yeah. said? <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was reading stuff on my computer. Um, yes, I do. I don't know. They're all just names. Jo- I so- never remember anyone's name, just their face. Oh, sure. So, <laughs> so Harold and Kumar... Uh, I believe he's Harold in Harold and Kumar. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And he was Didn't Sulu. did he work for Obama or something? Uh, no, uh, no, that was the guy the who plays one. Kumar, okay. whose name I'm not sure off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, and he played Sulu in the Star mm-hmm. Trek reboot series. Mm-hmm. So the ones with Chris Pine stuff in them. Yeah. Um, you fan of his work? I mean, I guess. He was I also fan? in I Selfie, don't... that Selfie yeah, show with, with what's her Karen, face? Gills, Karen Gillan. Yeah, no, What's Her Face. What's Her Face. The... The correct name. Um, I'd be sure. He's never done a performance and maybe go, I am a fan of you, sir. <laughs> I uh, like. I think I've always enjoyed him. I've enjoyed him as Sulu. I thought it was really good casting um, for that role. And the it's, inter- it's interesting. They, they have chosen an Asian-American actor to play Spike. Spike, a lot of people who are really into the original anime mm. are arguing that he's actually like Jewish-American or like it's, it's a whole weird thing. But Overall, I like this casting. Mm. I look at it. He wouldn't be my first choice. He's not. The, my, I don't look at him and go, "Oh, you're Spike Spiegel," but they've 
it's I'm definitely interested a little bit more now that casting seems to be about talent rather than just the look of it. Yeah, that's cool. which can be a problem. Sometimes you go, oh yeah, they look like well, everyone said for a long time Keanu Reeves would be good for that part. He's too old now, but back in the day when they were going to do a Cowboy Bebop movie, Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves, it was like he looks the part. He's got the the martial arts skills, he but does he have the acting chops to yeah, pull off? No way. That sort of cool Spike Spiegel. I don't know. I don't know if John Cho can either, but I think he was He's cast- definitely probably. N- more naturally cool than Keanu Reeves. Different kind of cool, I think. I'll go for. Keanu's oh. pretty cool. Have you seen the videos of him getting I feel around? Like, like only nerds think Keanu Reeves is actually cool. Everyone there's... else thinks he's cool. Ironically, I think everyone just th- like seems to think he's a beautiful human being. There's oh, all this yeah, stuff online lovely. about like I think recently his like flight was delayed and he was on a bus with a bunch of people. I saw that. And he was reading out, like, facts about, like, the city they were driving to. Do you know this is the 42nd biggest city in the United States or whatever it was? It's like, this guy's amazing. Mm. And, like, just organizing people and, like, being the voice of reason. Very cool. Uh, okay. So, we're going to put that in the uh, eh, news column at this point. Yep. Yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, on the subject of animated uh, shows, this news came out this week. Mm. Avatar The Last Airbender's writer says a possible season four was sidelined for Shyamalan's film. This comes from <gasps> Beth Elderkin at Gizmodo. Wow. So I'm going to... Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Go how, on. Uh, just on gut reaction, how do you feel about that? First response is, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Second response is, but they tied it up really well. What's the full season? That's what, almost what would that be? Identical to my feelings. Yeah. Was like, don't... Tell me that I missed out on more Avatar. Mm. Like, that just is an immediate, for like... For that? For that? Even yeah. for that or not, just the fact that the idea there could have been more of that show, mm. it there's something about me that just feels like I'm missing out. Like, instantly, just like, oh, why? But as you said, <laughs> did that show really need a third season? Uh, Fourth? Fourth season, sorry. Yeah. So, I will read just a little bit from this article. Former Avatar head writer Aaron Ahas, the head writer... Uh, yes. How you say it. <laughs> uh, co-creator of The Dragon Prince, mm, which you so love. So good. Everyone watch it. haven't watched yet. You idiot. Uh, shared a thread on Twitter about one of the bigger his bigger regrets in not continuing the Avatar saga on television. Mainly, he wanted some time with Azula, Zuko's sister. Spoilers ahead for next minute and a bit while we talk about this. Uh, who'd been brought to her lowest point in the series finale after spending most of the show trying and failing to live up to their father's impossible expectations. Basically, goes on to say he wanted it to be about... Um, sort of a redemption arc for Azula and that Zuko would have been heavily a part of that, sort of what he'd learned from Iroh would have come into play with Azula um, and that he really thought that there were plans going on. He talked to uh, Michael DiMartino and Brian Konetsko. They seemed all for it and then, or there was a general plan at Nickelodeon and then even though Shyamalan supported a season four, Bryke had said, you know what, actually we want to concentrate on that instead and let's not do season four. There is a lot of debate and dispute about how much it was actually a solid plan mm. and more of just maybe a like, if we were to do a season four, how'd cool. we do it? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of cool with the fact that we didn't get a season four. Me too. And the Dragon Prince is awesome. So there you go. That's fine. I just want to quickly while we're on Avatar, actually, this week's been interesting as well on Twitter. Do you follow film critic Hulk? Yes, I do. He's cool. Pretty cool. Um, uh, critique of film and very good essay writer and that sort of stuff. He started watching Avatar: The Last Airbender for the first time, mm. 
And like, as soon as he sort of said he was staying to watch it, like he posted a, a, a photo of the Blu-rays for Avatar and for Corey. He's like, I'm going to give this a go. Yeah. And just like, it was like moth to a flame. All the Avatar fans who feel unrepresented, mm-hmm. like this show is not like loved enough by enough people or is not <laughs> mainstream enough and just flocked him and gone, oh my God, you're watching this. Mm-hmm. And he started basically just posting his thoughts as he went along, you know, screenshots of what he was enjoying on screen and his thoughts about the show as it went along. And all- so he watched all three seasons in about a week, a week and a half, two mm, weeks. Wow. And was posting things about nearly every episode. And he got to the end of it. It was it was amazing to watch this every day. Just like keep checking to see if Phil Critic Hulk has watched another episode. Mm. And he got to the end of it. And he's like, his whole last bit is like, I, for the longest time people have asked me what my favorite show is. And I used to say it was, I used to sort of say, well, it's Buffy, The Sopranos and The Wire. Mm-hmm. And these are the three reasons why it's all three at once. I was like, and now I can say I can add this show to my that list. And I was Aww. like, oh my god, I feel so validated. That's so nice. <laughs> In my love of it, it was it's a beautiful thing. If you get if you have time, I might go through just feed, yeah. just just read through it. It's it's lovely. It's so <laughs> beautiful as an Avatar fan. That's nice. Uh, that's pretty much all I've got for headlines. What have you got for off topic? Hot topic, Damask. So I managed to watch one other thing of the last couple of weeks, which was the film Overlord. Mm-hmm. Have you watched that? I have not. I'm, I've heard of it. I've heard good things about it. It seems quite um, like a pretty out there genre film. I'm not really... Yeah, so it's kind of... It's a horror movie. Horror, okay. Um, it takes place in World War Two. The actual like, oh. opening sequence is really cool where we've got a bunch of like paratroopers like going into like enemy territory and like, you know, explosions and stuff. That sequence is very engaging. I'm mm-hmm. like, fucking hell, this is great. Um, anyway, they jump on over and like, you know, shoot up some Nazis, etc., etc. Um, and they discover that the Nazis are doing some bad stuff. Surprise, surprise. And it's Who would about have thought? I know. I don't a- I don't believe it for a second. Do you know people want to punch Nazis? <laughs> what? How unfair is that? Oh, poor Nazis. Oh God, no. Um <laughs> so Quote. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> My life is over. Um, so I don't want to give too much away. You're cancelled, Damascus. Sorry, but, go on. Oh, God, shut up. Um, <laughs> so I don't want to give too much away, but it is a very good action, adventure, horror movie. Okay. The lead in it is wonderful. Let me just have a looky-loo at his name. Yovan uh, Adepo uh, is the main guy. He's really, really good. Would I know this person from something? I don't think so. I didn't know him from anything, okay. but um, then probably not. Yeah, exactly. What do you know? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I recommend it. The only thing is, my warning is, it was a great, cool horror movie that I was really enjoying mm-hmm. until about maybe the last fifteen twenty minutes, and then it becomes very gory. And I could, I a lot of it, I wasn't looking at the screen because <laughs> it was r- quite gross. Is it that really visceral, like? Real gore or is it cartoony, like um, over the top? Like, would you put this? The nice element of both in it. Actually. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. So there were moments where it was really visceral and be like, I could feel things like going through my body and be mm. like, oh god. And then also there was like cartoonish, like you know, skin peeling, boil stuff. Like you know what I mean? Oh, no, like that sounds awful. Monster movie kind of stuff, and I was like, "Oh my!" It was yeah, it was a lot, and there was a lot of dry reaching happening on the couch. Um, okay, but real, it's a, it is a good film. Cool, it's a fun little horror horror to watch. But sure, yeah, if you're a little, you got a sensitive stomach, probably don't watch it. How did you watch that? I watched. I think it was just on the old 
Apple movie thingy. We cool. rented it, yeah. Gotcha. Very mm. nice. Uh, did you have a reality check this week? Oh, my reality check is uh, I've watched about 40 hours of Real Housewives of New York. Are you good? Because I'm up to... D- oh, yes, I love it. Because I, <laughs> I, I was up to date with all of my housewives and then I was procrastinating because I've got a huge assignment. I was like, oh... What should I do? So I've just gone back through like classic season three stuff, which is uh, anyone who knows that, that's the Scary Island season. Rod's looking at me blankly, <laughs> which is like- Scary Island season. Which is an iconic episode <laughs> where Kelly Ben Simone is an insane person. Um, we actually see a woman who is genuinely mentally ill, <laughs> have a breakdown, um, we did, it's a great season and then I've, I've gone back in. So I skipped a few, you know, the ones without Bethany and stuff. And then I've skipped into, I think I'm up, I'm watching season seven, which is when Bethany comes back, I think. But yeah, so that's what I've been doing. Oh, when Bethany comes back. Uh, but I've got a real life reality Ooh, check. Oh, here we go. Yeah, this keeps happening to you. <clears throat> you were going to just be in a reality it, show it, eventually. It actually has nothing to do with reality TV. Oh. It's just about my real life. Oh, sure. Um, so I was at work. Pregnant. I'm not pregnant. Um, uh, though I keep trying. So I was. You keep at it, kid. Good luck <laughs> to you. <laughs> um, so I was at work, just, you know, it was during the day, and I was just enjoying myself, chatting to my colleagues, whatever, um, wandering around, just kind of pretending to, milling around, pretending to do work kind uh-huh. of thing, which is how I function at work. Um, and I'm wandering around, and I'm walking through this crowded space at work. Uh, so I walk down these stairs and I turn the corner and there's this woman there with these giant glasses on. And I was like, she kind of looks like... And then she starts speaking and my body goes cold. And I am filled with such awe and I just kind of like... I walk, I begin to walk towards her. She's a couple of metres away from me. I begin to walk towards her and I get as close to her as possible without touching her just so I can be within like the space and I keep walking. Smell her hair, yeah. Oh, and she is so beautiful. So beautiful. The most perfect skin I've ever seen. Do you want to know who it was? Yeah. Oh, my God. I hope I know who it is. I'm worried you're going to say it and we go, no idea. Kate Blanchett. Oh, what? No way. Yeah, it was Kate Blanchett. Oh, God. And so I walk past and I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, and I, I, <laughs> famous people come to work quite often, but this is the first time where I'm like shaking and I like, I continue walking and I turn around the corner and two of my colleagues are standing there and I grab each of them by the shoulder and I'm like, oh, God. Um, they're like, oh, my God, what's going on? I was like, and I just whisper because there's people around us and I don't want like customers to hear or whatever. And I'm just like, Kate Blanchett is here. Kate Blanchett is here. And they're like, what? What? I'm like, she's, she's here. She's just around the corner. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And so one of my colleagues, like, goes and, like, to investigate or whatever. And then I'm just standing there, like, with actual tears in my eyes. I'm like, I'm, I'm actually starstruck. It's never happened before. That's the but first it was, time. But it was incredible. Just to be, just to hear her speak, that oh. voice. Was it, was it the voice that gave it away first? Or did At you- first, I was like, that woman looks like, and Kate. then she was speaking. I was like, it definitely is. <laughs> I know that voice. Oh, it was, was, she, was she more beautiful in real life? Like, because this is the thing people talk about mm. is like how people who are like celebrities, when you see them in real life, it's like, oh, I, I know you from television. You're mm-hmm. beautiful there. But seeing you in reality is like, oh, oh I get it. Oh, my God. I you're think ridiculous. The image we have of Kate Blanchett 
is a very accurate depiction of what she looks sure. like in real life. Sure. Her skin is so dewy. Dewy. So dewy. And can I say, like, naturally wrinkled, like she hasn't had work done, mm-hmm. but just looks fucking gorgeous. Like, because, you know, there's a few movies I've seen that I'm like, has she had like a bunch of fillers? Because they've obviously like smoothed out her skin. But she just looks like a normal person in real life. Oh, okay. But a very beautiful older woman. Yeah. And just, oh, gorgeous. 10 out of 10 experience <laughs> in my <laughs> life. I'm trying to think of like times I've been starstruck before. I've definitely had, I'm pretty, I'm okay with celebrities. This is not. I even, usually don't care. But yeah. just with her, I was like, you're, you're special. Yeah. You're I, real special. Beauty will, will do that to you. Because mm. I, like, I remember saying some, door, I remember I still have regrets about a conversation I had with Matt Smith. Um, when I met him, I was like, I didn't play that as cool as I wish I had. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the one that always I come back to is actually it was I knew I was going to see her. It was a me- it was a thing. Right? It was a public event. Um, Miranda Kerr um, mm. was doing an event for like one of her like I don't know what do you call it you skin used to be products or whatever. With I Kerr. did, and my girlfriend at the time was quite a big fan of Miranda Kerr mm. as well. So we made this thing. It's like oh we're gonna go and we're gonna go to this thing and be one of the first people in line. If you're the first hundred people in line buy the product, you can basically meet Miranda Kerr. Like, for a second. (laughs) So, it's like, I'm going to do that. And so, you do that. And that was fine. It was dorky. We were dumb. But it was fun to do. And But then, it got to the point of actually stepping. Because it was like, one at a time. She's standing behind, uh, sitting behind a a table. And you stepped up onto the stage platform thing. You go up there and you hand her the thing for her to sign. And she'll look at you and talk to you. And then, you take it and then you leave. One at a time, you do this. (laughs) So, my girlfriend goes first. And then, I'm next. I go up there. And when you're actually two meters away from Miranda Kerr, it occurs to you that this is the most beautiful, attractive person you've ever seen in your goddamn life, and you have no idea what to do with yourself. So, you know that thing where you like don't know what to do with your hands? Mm. I kind of just like leant on the table between us in like, I didn't mean to do oh, it in like, no. but then like, as soon as you do that, like, and you're kind of doing that weird, like, cool, like, lean in way, I became extremely conscious of that and then had to immediately not do that. And then I just was like, I don't, I'm, I don't know what to do. I've ruined this. <laughs> <laughs> I've ruined. I've ruined this moment. Just thanks, Miranda. I'll take my signed autograph it's also now. Also, to know that's like one of the most awkward and humiliating things to happen to you, and she will never, never remember it. Ever remember it? <laughs> never ever. It doesn't affect her in any way. No. I was probably low on the on the list of creepsters. Weird, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I will never forget how awkward I was in that moment. That's ever. Great. Mm. Uh is that all you got for off topic hot topic? That's it. Yeah. I've only got two other little things quickly. I went and saw Jordan Peele's Us uh, over the weekend. My girlfriend Steph and I went to see it. We've been trying to see it for a while now. We finally got the time. Uh, so you saw Get Out, yes, his yes. first mm-hmm. film. Um, I was a big fan of Get Out. As was I. Really big fan. Haven't got around to seeing it a second time, but we'll eventually do that. Just a really good, like. Uh, horror with a really interesting um, metaphor and message in there, delivered really well. It just uh, all the elements that make it up are very clever. There's lots to digest in there, um, sort of imagery wise, and then a, there was a real good sense of humor in there as well. Some would argue maybe too much, mm. but I sort of liked what I was going for. I enjoyed that film a lot. Mm-hmm. Us, his second film, is a horror film as well. Its sort of style is quite different to Get Out. Um, it doesn't have the slow build-up sort of that Get Out does where things just sort of get right. worse and worse until eventually it gets real bad. Yeah. This is like, let's do 10 to 15 minutes of setup. Oh, my God, shit's bad. <laughs> okay. And like, it happens pretty quickly. I don't want to say too much about what it's about. In fact, if you haven't seen the trailers, 
don't because the less you know, probably the better it'll be for you. Mm. I had certain assumptions going into it that were yeah. that didn't spoil it, but you were expecting certain things to happen. Yeah. I think I know the base basic things. Yeah, but that's it. Um, I watched about maybe half the trailer and then I turned it off. Yeah, cool, yeah. cool. It's a pretty good horror film. I don't like it as much as I like Get Out. Mm-hmm. I think it is a very effective with its imagery. It's very effective with his performances. Mm. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o is fucking great in it. Naturally, yeah. Um, she puts in an absolutely stellar performance, um, doing some different things along the way as well mm-hmm. uh, that are really good. Again, I'm trying to keep this vague. It, I think for me, where Get Out, Get Out found this really good balance between the metaphor and the in-world sort of mechanics mm-hmm. and keeping that making sure that you understood how this actually worked in the movie. There are certain elements about like the sci-fi or fantasy nature of that that they don't explain, but they shouldn't. Mm. It's better to just go, this was the sort of plan and how it was going to happen and this is the mechanism with which happens. You go, okay, cool, I get it. Yeah. That's enough and get out. This one sort of is too vague in some areas and too descriptive in others. So by the time mm. you get to a... The people are calling it a bit of like a Bond villain monologue that happens later in the film, which sort of explains the backstory of what's going on here. Mm. Um, it kind of goes too far and then doesn't go far enough. Do you know what I mean? It's like okay, if you kept yeah. it vaguer, I could have just inferred what, inferred you needed what yeah. I needed to. Mm-hmm. You could have given me the imagery without that dialogue yeah. and I would be able to go and think about it and break it down and have mm. fun with that. But then you went so far and gave me a lot and then you just left me with lots of like, Okay, but then how does that work? Yeah. What, how does that work? Mm. Jeez, you, what, that what is going on? And it's like, it gives you so much as to kind of be like counterintuitive, I think. So, that was a bit of a shame. Um, but overall, it was very, very good. I liked it. I would like to watch it again. I think it'd be very good on a rewatch as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so, if you're into, if you like to get out and you like your sort of, uh, yeah, metaphorical horror, mm. I would definitely give it a shot. And it is quite funny at times as well. Not as funny as Get Out, as Get Out I don't think, but quite funny all the same at times when needed. Um, lastly, because I keep bringing this up, David Tennant does a podcast with. Oh, God. Yeah. I thought I was done. I really did. I was yeah. like, all the people that Damascus wants to listen to on that show has been on. Catherine Tate's been on. Uh, Kristen Ritter's been on. Mm-hmm. Who else could possibly be on? Is it Kate Blanchett? No, not okay. yet. Well. Yes. <laughs> this week's guest is Samantha B. Cool. I was like, this This isn't for me. This is for Damascus, <laughs> this podcast. I am just the vessel for which she finds out that it's mm, for her. Okay. So, listen to that podcast, please. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. That's three. Three of your, like, all-time favorites. Yeah. I really do need to. Because, I, yeah, I recently signed up for Stitcher Premium because I realized that I pay for so many services. I'm like, can I really justify paying for one more? Mm. I was like... I spend so much time listening to podcasts. Like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't I? That's how I feel about, like, the things I... The Patreons I'm on and yeah. the... Like, I'm a subscriber to the Flash Film cast. I've been listening to them for 10 years. Yeah. Like, $2 a month. They, I get so much good value out of that. That's an amazing podcast. Absolutely. But, like, yeah, I, I did it because so much of Earwolf stuff, like, the back catalogue just isn't available um, yes. to general users or whatever or general mm. listeners um so you really do need like a stitcher premium to go back and listen to things like because how did this get made is the first podcast that i ever really listened to i'm pretty sure mm. and so, uh, made me fall in love with podcasts and there's just like so many of the classic episodes that i just don't have access or didn't have access to and also there's another show called Ronner and beverly um which isn't 
it's it's stopped now, but it was just incredible, hilarious uh, improv podcast and most of their podcast isn't available now. So you have to like go into like, yeah, Stitcher Premium and stuff. So I finally, finally paid for that. So I'm listening to a lot of podcasts and I, I, I'm i sure I can fit one more in. So I'll get to David Definitely Taylor. give it a go. And they're like an hour long each mm. and they're good conversations. I think you'd really like them. Uh, let's get to our free, spoiler free review of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Part 2. That's true. It is free. No one's paying for this. <laughs> but you can if you want. <laughs> we'll find a way. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Just six months after part one of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina premiered, and after sneaking in a little Christmas episode in between, part two arrived on Netflix in time to follow Sabrina as she fully embraces braces her witchy side and goes full-time at the Academy of the Unseen Arts. The core cast of season one return in full, joined by Gavin Leatherwood, Jedediah Goodacre, Alexis Denisoff, and Luke Cook. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Part 2 consists of nine episodes, if we don't count... Uh, the Christmas special, which seems to have been counted as part of part one's 11th episode, whatever. Each coming in at around 57 minutes and took us approximately eight hours and 40 minutes to watch. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina has been renewed for parts three and four, though when they will arrive is currently unknown. Damask, what do we think of the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina part one? I don't know. Listen to the, the other <laughs> podcast. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, That's good. That's good, though. You should definitely promise. Like, well, if you want to know, here's the link. Good. Yeah, exactly. Um, I liked it. It was, it was quite a bit of fun. Um, definitely not perfect. Uh, but I think there was some really cool thematic stuff in there. A lot of great performances. Um, yes, but... Uh, Plenty of disinteresting uh, characters. Sure. Or uninteresting characters, sorry. Disinteresting is, doesn't make any sense. Anyway, <laughs> what did you think of part one? I, I was generally positive on past part one. It reminded me of Buffy in some ways. It's mm. sort of darkness, of surprisingly dark at times. The campiness and goofiness at times was really appealing mm. as well. You know, it had that good feminist agenda, which we yeah. all love a bit of. And I uh, ended up giving it a three and a half out of five stars at the time. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked a single jot about season two yet or part two. No. So I'm fascinated to hear what you think. All right. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. All right. Here we go. There is good stuff this season. It is engaging, funny, surprising and camp as hell, just like the first. Unfortunately, there is other stuff that feels like the typical teen drama fair that is boring once again. Really, truly boring. The characters of the Spellmans are still the best. The greater world building of this season is ridiculous and fun, and I loved it. Every time Michelle Gomez is on screen, it's a blessing, although she is severely, severely, severely underused. The mortal stuff as well as the teen love and high school drama is a snooze. If I wanted to watch that stuff, I would rewatch Dawson's Creek for the 15th time. Except that show did it better. I love me some teen drama, but when we're dealing with awesomely powerful witches, dismantling the patriarchy and the end of the world, I don't care about whether Theo gets on the basketball team or what's happening in Roz's love life. Once again, I am left disinterested in side characters because I don't know who they are. And I think the show doesn't know that either. Theo is trans, but that's all he is. And I think that's a shame. It's an important aspect of who he is, but he should be more than that. Roz is a girl who suffers from visions. That's an interesting dynamic, or it would be if I knew who she was beyond that. Ultimately, this show suffers from too many players and not enough game. 
But despite those issues, the season really was a good time to watch. What about you, Broderick Godez? I'm out. He's out. I'm done. He's done. I'm not coming back for season three. Ooh. Don't ask me because he is not happening. Oh, so no, mm. you lost him, show. You lost me. I'm ready for this. Go, go, go. So I was pretty high on season one. There was a lot to like about the surprisingly dark yet equally goofy tone, a female-centric story with some great performances, especially from some of the older cast members, and a really strong jumping-off point with a strong mission statement on individuality and identity from a girl trying to live in two very different worlds. I said at the time I loved what I would consider the two pilot episodes. Mm-hmm. There is a mission statement there that is so good and it worried me at the end of season one that it sort of had lost its way a little bit. I was going to give it a chance to try and figure that out along the way if it could go somewhere with that. And honestly, I just think whatever inspiration underpins season one seems to be completely lost in part two for me. First and foremost, and I say this without any hesitation, I hate Sabrina Spellman. <laughs> She's gone from a forgettable Keenan Shipka performance to completely unlikable. Sabrina has fallen into the JD Ted Mosby pitfall of becoming so self-involved, so self-righteous, and often whiny that I can't stand being around her. Mm. There's some examples I'll bring up in spoilers about this. The rest of the young young cast are just as bad. Sabrina's mortal friends are an irrelevant sideshow with <laughs> nothing to do of any importance. While the kids at the Witch Academy are inconsistent, snotty brats on the bright side. Miranda Otto, and especially Lucy Davis, mm. who struck me as a bit Dawn Frenchy with her Hilda this go around. Like, she was doing a bit Geraldine. Oh, absolutely. Was a delight. Michelle Gomez, agreed, is also still great, but for long stretches is kept completely disconnected from the rest of the plot. In a boring story. In anyway. a boring story, often talking to herself. Although or, I do like when she's talking to herself. Well, she, she can do it, it yeah. but she shouldn't have to be doing it. <laughs> Every scene, you know, great. Every scene. Um, while we do some bullshit at witch school involving Sabrina trying to prove how she's the best, please, can we have a spin-off of Zelda, Hilda, and Miss Wardwell in some sort of witchy golden girl scenario? I would yes. watch that mm. in a heartbeat. I also continue to get a kick out of the silly satanic inversions of Christian Frasers. Frasers, I should say. Christian <laughs> Frasers. <laughs> Brother of Brendan Fraser. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking more like Fraser, the sitcom, yeah. but with <laughs> like the Christian version of Alison Psychology is like a priest and mm. he's like his brother is like also a priest and like anyway. Everyone's just a priest. <laughs> Everyone's just a priest. <laughs> the dog's a priest, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the set dressing is still a highlight. Uh, if only the world of magic and demons felt like there were more than six total locations for our characters to be in. And six it, people in the background. It does It just, it feels so small. Mm. We're dealing with like big world, like affecting events. And it feels like yeah. they're, they are staying yeah. inside but the same shoebox. But you can have a show like- where that works. Because Buffy always felt very small, even though we're talking about the apocalypse. <laughs> it was always like, you know five locations or whatever, but the characters within it, they they were world enough for us, That's so it thing. was okay. That's the thing, yeah. exactly. When you, it, it, Yeah, exactly right. It, they provided that, that bigger world, yeah. exactly. Um, but by the middle of the season, I was ready to be done. The writers <laughs> appeared to have felt the same way because after faffing about with putting on plays and talent shows and school-sanctioned orgies, <laughs> things started to accelerate and escalate very quickly. So quickly, in fact, the dialogue became 90% exposition, chock full of convenience and coincidence, often nonsensical when applying even a little bit of logic, and then a fucking musical number (laughs) when that happened did i like literally cover my face and go oh god no (laughs) 
This was and a, also not yeah. every actress has to sing because not every actress can sing. Totally true. And I true. think just uh, showrunners and creatives just remember that. Thank mm-hmm. you. This was a bad season of TV that just got worse as it went. Not only do I not care about these characters, I actively dislike most of them. Wow. Especially our heroine. Heroine. Whatever potential season one had has been completely squandered and my goodwill has run out. Oh, no. <laughs> what is your final score and ranking demands? This is the first time in a while that we've had like widely different sort of views oh, on the season. I mean, I'm just finding it incredibly humorous. Um, <laughs> I'm giving this season three. It's okay. fine. That's good. <laughs> is yours a negative 17? No, no, I'm giving it two. Okay. But it's like the, the negativity comes... because it's it, Like I said, there are bits that I can enjoy. There I think are, it's goodwill negativity. You know, that's like, it. Yeah. It's, it comes from a place of where I was... I was surprised how much I liked it when it started, like mm. back in season one. And I, I will keep going back to that second episode and going, man, there is something really cool going on here. There's a really interesting, it's got some guts to it. And like, I like where this is going. And then it's just become this really underwritten, underdeveloped teen drama that just happens to have magic in it. But does it have magic? Like, they go to this witch school. And I don't, no one learns anything. <laughs> They're all just doing stupid side projects. Like I said, dances. I don't know. I just I don't care. Do I think it should be a school? No. Do I think it should just be like a church community? Yes. Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, that's what it, that's basically what it, what it is. Yeah. I don't... Uh, anyway, let's move on. Uh, two stars from me out of five. <laughs> Before we get into our spoilers, which I'm looking forward to, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning! On this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 and 2 of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Sabrina up to this point. If not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned! Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. If you're at a magic school Hmm. and there's a talent show, Hmm. why on earth would you do a magic show to be fair like i brought that up too that's only in the tarot reading that scene it's like it's not uh it's i don't know how legitimate (laughs) that is none of the other prophecies in the tarots tended to be Mm. like literal yeah 
So I don't think that is necessarily literal. Good. There's the there's the I think if you look at it later on, you realise that up that on metaphor. Stage at- on our house, it was like, I'm going to solve an algebra problem. It might be kind of impressive, but no one cares. I was like, all right, take it back to math class, Chris. <laughs> the uh, He could have done satanic geometry uh, or whatever it was that she called. Oh, what? oh the she symbols. Had, yeah, we get to learn. Oh, I've written it down because I thought it was such a... Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. It's like, I don't study geometry. I study sacred geometry, which actually made me laugh a lot because I thought that was was Why is sacred geometry much different to normal geometry? That's hilarious. Um, but no, I think that's that if you think about it as well, it's not just about magic that scene. It's also about the fact that there is deception involved in like stage magic mm. and that he was apparently working for Satan for a lot of this because he told her, him, Satan told Nick to... To go and hang out with Sabrina because that's part it. of his the master whole time plan. I knew it. Do I care? Because his last name was got Scratch. To, and then they've got to have that scene where it's like, but really, I loved you. Like I may I have started that out that way. Element. It's like, fuck I wish you'd been like, actually, I don't care about exactly. you at all. Wouldn't that have been way more interesting if they yeah. turned around and went, ha, ha, ha. well, I, you know what? Actually, no, that's not true. I wouldn't have bought that either. I wouldn't have bought any of it because I don't have chemistry. I don't care about the two of them at all. Mm. There's nothing. Nick Scratch is a nothing character. <laughs> Who I there is nothing about him that I care about. He's got what does he care about? Turtlenecks. Turtlenecks, and he's just constantly barging on Sabrina in, when she's by herself. Like it's yeah. like I don't. I've seen a lot of people fawning over Nick Scratch online, and I guess the guy's handsome. Maybe I don't get it. He, well, he's the ultimate fantasy boyfriend when you're a fourteen year old girl because he only it. cares about you and thinks you're amazing. <laughs> He's not a real person. He's got a real angel syndrome going on as well. Mm. He's got he's got a lot of angel in there. Uh, and to the point where they've stolen his season two storyline, which is at the end of the season, we have to send him to hell. Yeah. <laughs> but then we take it back in the last scene by being like, oh, well, next season's going to be about getting Nick back. It's like, no. Let's go to hell and get my boyfriend back, right? A, Why? B, that doesn't make any sense. You've just made it like you've set up so that Satan is going to be stuck. Like yeah. he is a, a prison for you save the world because yeah. So that's w- the consequence. What are you going to achieve except re-release Satan into the world? <laughs> like that's a dumb move. Mm. If we were at that table, I'd be like, oh no, that's a bad idea. If I was, a, if any of them were really good friends, they'd be like. What are you talking no, about? No, Sabrina. Yeah, we're not doing that, Sabrina. No. no, no. We got real lucky and that we figured some out how if we do a bunch of drawings and put them around the gates of hell, <laughs> we can stop it. Like, real lucky. Because if that didn't work, we were not going to win. We were going <laughs> to die and all of humanity would be dead mm. uh, or enslaved, uh, which kind too. So, no, let's not go poke that bear. Also, something made me laugh was like, because obviously Roz touches Harvey's shoulders and he's like, See what I see and then draw them. It's like those symbols don't require any drawing talent. Roz could have just drawn them because they're just circles and lines. Totally. So it was like Harvey doesn't really have a purpose, but that's cute. But that <laughs> all of that though, everything that's going on there in that sequence is them not having a fucking clue what to do with those characters, right? Yeah. We're going to send you three to go deal with the date gates of hell. That makes no sense. Why would you ever trust three models to know what they're doing? A, convenient that the gates of hell exist in the mines that were there the whole time. Sure, that's a hell mouth. I can get on board with that. Yeah. That was Buffy as well, right? Say, what are you talking about, boy? But it just, I don't know. Oh, they, they they don't like have to, like they have to search for it, but they don't, it's not hidden. They just sort of walk up to go, oh, there's the gates of hell. Mm. 
It's like, oh, no one else has noticed this before. Or Roz is just like, oh, I've been practicing my cunning. I know exactly what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I found it. That's the thing for me is the cunning becomes ridiculously convenient. I will yeah. touch anything. It will tell me the information I need. Yeah. I will touch the mosaic. I know where the gates of hell are. I will touch the gates of hell. I know how to stop the gates of hell. I will touch you, Harvey, so you can... <laughs> it's just terrible storytelling when you're... Person, you just keep pressing the the the, the cheat button. button, the answer button, <laughs> yeah. and get the answers. Mm. There's nothing interesting about that. There's no tension. There's no drama. There's no growth. There's no anything. Yeah. And Ros and Harvey are a nothing thing. I, like, there was a part of me that was like, oh, I can get on board with this a little bit early on because I don't want Harvey and Sabrina to get together anymore. And but but they do nothing with it. Well, yeah. Even her blindness is wasted. <laughs> it lasts like two episodes. <laughs> And also, it's, I don't know, it's that kind of funny with me that I could understand, like, her being like, oh, I'm devastated, like, the loss of something. But also, like, the idea of her being sent to a blind school is, like, her dad is trying to murder her. I'm like, well, that's actually a good idea. I, I, I wondered about that as well. I think they handled that okay because she says I she was she, worried that she, she wouldn't come back. Yeah, she was worried about losing her friends. It's like, it wasn't like, I'll be sent to blind school. It's the worst thing ever. It's like, mm. I'm going to be sent away from you guys. Right. I and didn't so get that sense at all. I was she, just like, it's okay to be blind, you know? Yeah, no, <laughs> like, I know. And fine. I was worried about that too. It's like, this is a fate worse than death mm. that you're blind. It wasn't, I, I was, because I just thought the same thing. I was like, yeah. what are you trying to say? And she legitimately says like her, she feels like she's going to ha- lose her friends. And that was the problem. Because she wasn't. Why would she lose her friends? Because she's not going to be around. She has to be sent away to wherever this blind school is. She wouldn't be in Greendale anymore. I mean, Sabrina shares like two scenes with them and they're still all great friends. That's the thing, right? Sabrina just shows up and everyone's like, well, they actually do get she with it, which I'm happy about. It's like, you went around. It's like, where the fuck are you these days? (laughs) Good point. I don't know. I I don't understand why they spend any time with Sabrina. Sabrina is horrible to be around. She's so self-entitled and self-righteous all the time. Mm-hmm. There's this, I keep coming back to the comparison of... Uh, actually, just before we finish that, just thinking about Hell next season. I mm. can't think of anything I'm less interested in. There might be some good designs on Hell in there. I cannot believe for a second there's going to be anything that, but more teen drama in Hell if we go to Hell next year. I mean, I'm really interested in Hell because um, the Michelle boss Gomez is... is there. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle, <laughs> like when Michelle Gomez, it was like, oh, I'm going off into Hell. I'm like... But no, you need to be in this show. I need you here. And um, so, thankfully, she's going to be back. But then, okay. So, the te- the teacher is back. Her favourite teacher is back. So now- Who has no personality except being like... Um, kind. Being kind and kind of mousy. Like, was yeah. her... That was what we knew about her before she was taken over by Lilith, which yeah. was cool. But then, like, so if we do go to hell, then, like, Lilith is going to be played by someone else? I didn't even think about that, but... I guess so. Which is a shame. But does that so does that mean Michelle Gomez is still in the show as the real Miss I think so, yeah. What's her name? Woodward or whatever it is? Woodward, uh, yeah. Uh Wardwell, that's it. What oh that's a stupid name anyway. It is. <laughs> uh, why would you waste waste Michelle Gomez on that? And then I uh, uh, see no one thought this through. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, Sabrina, right? I kept mm. thinking about I keep coming back to Harry Potter comparisons mm-hmm. because they go to this, you know, the Academy of the Unseen Arts, very Hogwartsy, you know, mm-hmm. lots of students there apparently learning magic that we never see a goddamn single class to think they ever learn anything there. Mm-hmm. They're just, as I said, school sh- sanctioned orgies and and talent shows and whatever. Oh, plays. Plays. What do you do if you're gay in that situation? 
I know you don't have to have sex in the orgy, but like it's, it's well, just Well, apparently men and women. you just date and have sex with women because I don't know about you. And I'm not saying that a character can't be bisexual, but it seemed like they really wanted Ambrose to be gay. Like his whole thing with Luke... And now no, he's made sex. He's always been bisexual. I, I don't know. Just the the weird transition away from Luke to Prudence was weird this season. Like all of a sudden he's just fucking Prudence as well, and like ah, oh, we don't like Luke. We'll just kill him off in the background and let yeah, they him handled and Prudence that weirdly. Have a thing. But he did have that three oh that foursome. Weird True, there was that. That was that other. That was Luke a non. That was an off school grounds orgy. That's yeah. right. That was one in the mm. Spellman house. That's correct. That was in season one. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, I don't know, just that transition away from, like, Luke doesn't matter anymore. Luke's a real asshole now after he seemed like he was kind of a cool guy yeah. in season one. And now no, he's, he's like, misogynist. super misogynistic. <laughs> we'll kill him off. Um, not off screen in the end. We do flash back to his death later. Uh, Ambrose didn't was nothing to me. He was poorly acted this season, I thought, as well. His performance went downhill as well. I don't know if I agree with that. But... Uh, anyway, Sabrina. <laughs> God, this is going to happen a lot. Put it out there. I'm going to rant. This, this episode. What else is you? That's all you do on this podcast. True. Um, so, yeah. So, you got the whole Hog- Hogwarts thing. And then she's got a real Harry Potter, I'm the most important person in the universe thing going on. Mm-hmm. However, when Harry suddenly was representing, uh, like, the rebellion against the school. So, let's talk about... Harry- Spoilers for Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> book five, mm-hmm. right? Order of the Phoenix... Uh, Harry starts the Dumbledore's army, this mm-hmm. Defense Against the Dark Arts club, where he starts teaching other students, you know, how to be good at spells to defeat other wizards, basically. Mm. Is that six or? Five. Definitely. Five. Definitely. Five? definitely. It's the one with, uh, when, what's her name? Um, Umbridge. Umbridge is in. Right. I always think five is Goblet of Five for some reason. No, it's four. Yeah. Gotcha. Middle chapter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and... And maybe I'm thinking more about the movies than I am thinking about the books here because it's been a while since I've read the books. But the mm. thing I like about Harry is that Harry doesn't pretend for a second that he's the chosen one. Like He has this complex sometimes where people don't seem to be like paying enough attention or don't respect he's in danger a lot. But he does. he's like, I got lucky. Like mm. I'm not that good at defense against the dark art stuff at all. But we all want to be more prepared, so let's do this together. So everyone's coming to him for help. And he's like, he accepts that unwillingly, but does his best to not, build himself up and just be a good teacher. Mm-hmm. In Sabrina, the moment she's got this alternate doctrine that her dad's done, she's like, well, I believe. Well, I believe. And she's real snooty and like self-important and self-righteous about it. I'm like, fuck, you're not... Stop feeling like... I don't know, just this... She's so uppity and like... She's always right and she's never wrong. She fucked up last season when she tried to resurrect Harvey's brother and com- mad- made a massive you know, bungle of that. And she still thinks her shit doesn't stink. And it pisses... I do not like Sabrina. I cannot (laughs) stand being around her. All right. Here's the thing. Is that... Okay. So, last season, it was, you know, her her lessons or the arc or whatever was that she doesn't think things through Mm -hmm. and she goes ahead. And so, by the end of the season... Um, cause I was getting frustrated at the end of season one by that. And the fact that she kept just doing things wrong and not taking any time to reflect. And it was very frustrating to watch, but by the end of it, she'd really fucked up, mm-hmm. um, and just seen how her actions affect others. And that was the growth. Yep. there. And then unfortunately we did come into this season and I think maybe like episode five or six or something, I was just like, Sabrina, your plans suck. Yes, <laughs> they do suck. 
like the Hamlet thing with like her parents. That is the worst. It's, it's such, a, bad such idea. a terrible idea. And I was really happy when Blackwood was like, I, I can see straight through you. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> this is so dumb. She's so prepared. She's like, if I barge in there and say this, mm. it's like you got no and proof then, for what and you're then saying. And then he'll be like, you're right. I did. Like, it's. She's, yeah, she... And it's worse the script calls it out. It's like, did that work for Hamlet? No, but it will for us because we're going to wear glamours. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> so it is frustrating to watch her constantly come up with a bad idea. Whoever's around her goes along with it for whatever reason. It fails. She's like, oh, poo, that failed. But then ultimately things end up okay for her. Exactly. It's really, it's it's bad storytelling. Um, not to die. Terrible. That. <laughs> so in that department is a mess. But Bros um, just rubbing his face. Um, so that's a mess. And Sabrina is not a likable character. What I did enjoy about this show, what I found really fun mm. was... The fact that she becomes Jesus. No, when that- that's exactly what I hated. <laughs> it's fun. We don't need. Oh, I'm like, I the 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 one prophecies can go fuck themselves at this point. Like it's been done to death so many times, and there's nothing in here that makes all it does is make yeah. her more self-important. Oh, I'm the son. I'm the daughter of Satan. I'm going to bring about the end of the world. Well, fuck is not special. Oh I my mean, god. Not, I mean, yeah, sure. I'm just like when watching it, I'm just not taking it that seriously. I'm just like, that's kind of cool that she's like all wide-eyed and like Avatar, setting people Sabrina. on fire. And I'm like, this is. Fun for me to watch that imagery again. Yeah. Some of the imagery in this show works for me yeah. really well. Mm. Uh, the when she does go Avatar Sabrina and like wide eyes and like the crown of thorns. That was cool, yeah. I was like, this is this is cool. I'll give it that. This is cool to watch. Mm-hmm. Not earned in the slightest. No, but very but a cool scene. Mm-hmm. But then becomes this dumb prophecy about her being part of the end of the world. It's like could have gone somewhere more interesting with that. I thought mm-hmm. then. Oh, there was a mosaic in the minds the whole time that foretells this prophecy. Oh, wait, this prophecy did exist. The one about how the world is going to end does exist, but it's a footnote. It's like, what do you mean it was a footnote? This is literally describing the end of the world. The end of the story. The end of the story. (laughs) It's a footnote. (laughs) It's not a footnote. Asterix. (laughs) Oh, it ends. (laughs) It's like, that's, that's, I understand, I do not understand those sorts of, I think I chose not to understand. And I was like, I'm just going to go along with it. Like, this was fun for me to watch In- because I guess I just stopped analysing it. I was just like, this is cool imagery. I'm loving the auntie stuff. I love the auntie um, stuff. It's just nice to see Michelle Gomez. I think it looks really cool. There are moments I was like, fuck yes. Um, and that's that was enough for me. Yeah, okay. It was a nice little watch. So we can agree that Sabrina is a terrible person and oh, a terrible yes. character. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yep. We can agree that Nick is a nothing person. Yes. Uh, Prudence, how do you feel about her? Um, I don't mind Prudence. I think she's probably has the potential to be one of the more interesting characters on the show. I think there's a lot to delve into there. Do they do it? Not really. She just keeps flicking back and forth. Her, her allegiance to whoever changes every episode. She becomes a, just a tool for like, who needs help today? Is it Blackwood or is it Sabrina? Because yeah, she will go no, to whichever side always, she needs. It's, it's always motivated though, because I think... But like, it's inconsistent. She, like, well, yes. It, uh, well, Because one minute no, she'll I be it's like... consistent for her character though, because I think while she like really wants this 
father and she wants that life. She is actually a a good person. We see her to be a good person or try to do good things. Mm. And so yeah, she's figuring she's figuring it out. So she does go back and forth. Um, but I don't think I'm just like, oh well that character doesn't make sense. It always makes sense to me what she's doing. In in the moment it does. It's just I feel like someone she just it's like one minute, it's yes, yes, it's all about me being Blackwood. Yes, I'm the most important person in the room as well. Um, and then she'll remember like, oh no, this institution is massively um, uh, against women, like mm. anti- When, it, like, when it starts to affect her, that's when Misogynist. she's like, oh, oh, I thought I would be above the rules and I'm not, so now I care. Yeah, I, but I just, I don't know. I just found that, I find that interesting that a person is just self-involved until they get because it keeps happening over and over and over again. Mm. She's all for it, like women's rights, until it doesn't. And then, like that story doesn't just happen once; it happens over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, I felt we were taking like steps forward with her, though. While it happened over and over again, unlike Sabrina, where it's like there's no learning. I felt like she was having a a deeper understanding of herself. It just it. seemed to keep becoming. Prudence puts someone in the witch's cell. Prudence walks into the witch's cell and lets them out. Prudence puts someone in the witcher's cell. Prudence walks into the witcher's cell and lets them out. Whether it's Zelda, whether it's Ambrose, whether it's like... It just kept happening. She didn't let Ambrose out. I, she was just in there. She was going to fuck him at one stage. She was going Like, well, did Ambrose break out in the end? Well, he did, but yeah. then he got put back in again. And like, it was like this... There's so many inconsistencies around the church as well. Like, uh, again, I'm thinking about this too much. You really are. But like the whole <laughs> thing about them like... They worship Satan, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, when you find out that you're part of a prophecy to bring about the apocalypse, right? Mm-hmm. Bring Satan to Earth and make hell on Earth. Mm-hmm. Why is that an evil thing? You worship this guy. Isn't that a good prophecy? Shouldn't you be happy about that? Shouldn't people be like, cool, our God, mm-hmm. our leader, Satan, is coming and we're going to you know, bring his light to the world? Yeah, that is confusing. I think it's because within the prophecy it talks about um, witches being like imprisoned and enslaved and that wasn't really part of the deal. So when they read that, they're like, oh, what the fuck? Because they thought they were going to be above the mortals and really they're just another tool to be, yeah, enslaved. I'm not saying it makes sense. I think that's like the basic justification of it. Just in general, I I find it hilarious to a point where I actually really enjoy it. How Mm. much... Satanism is less a religion, more of a cult where your deity slash leader will buy you drinks. Like, there's a bit where uh, Sabrina is at the Dorian Gray's bar because Dorian Gray's a character in this show now. <laughs> <laughs> and Dorian's like, here's a drink. The Dark Lords gave it to you. It's like, that's awesome. I wish God would buy me drinks. That's amazing. How cool is that? Like, mm. Satan literally shows up and people are like, oh, cool. There's there's Satan. Yeah. It's like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, there he is. Can I also say, mm. I hated that they made him, like, gave him a human form. I really dig the giant goat, Satan. Yeah. And when they made him a boring guy with a posh English accent, I was like, that's not interesting it's at Australian all. Australian guy too. Is it? Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, I, I mean, it didn't really bother me that he was like, because I think I was fascinated by his relationship with Lilith, and so like the flashbacks and stuff, and we see his normal form, like that stuff. I found kind of like, oh, I want to know more about Lilith. Um, so yeah, when he was a human, it didn't really or a human-looking thing didn't really bother me all that much. 
before we move off the kids, because I'm done talking about the kids, uh, let's just talk about Father Blackwood quickly, about him this season. He's lost any sense of nuance or he's just... Oh, yeah. He's just like the most musta- evil misogynist in the world. Mustache, mustache twirling villain now. Yeah. Uh, I like... I, I'm totally happy to continue with this like anti-misogynist feminist sort of ideals. Boy, it gets on the nose this season though. Like it's not playing that with any sort of subtlety or deceit no, or anything. No, but I don't think it did last season either like it's always been like this is what we're doing very clearly you're gonna smash it over the face with it like i just feel like it, it, there's so much potential for like because there was a bit where ambrose is like i'm not gonna back you to be top boy with mm. sabrina actually season one is my favorite episode mainly because i was episode one episode one sorry i always yeah, do that i know you do <laughs> episode one was my favorite episode mm. mainly because i still had a lot more optimism about the show at that point and, like, there's a bit where Ambrose is like, we'll see how you do in the trials first before. I was like, so there's this, like, less malicious, more mm-hmm. subtle form of misogyny going on there where he's not sure that's really the role for her. Yeah. And, like, that's more interesting to me than, now nah, women can't be top. Like, just flat out saying, not, you, yeah, you're just not no, allowed. Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, in the sense of, like, how, yeah, the subtlety of it and how that affects you as a woman when you can't just be like... Well, clearly he's an evil person yeah. who just hates women. And that, and it's your often, cousin as well. It's yeah. someone that you respect, you've grown up with for a long time. Yeah. Like, often in life, you don't have that big thing to point to. You have to explain all the small ways in which like, it, that's, the patriarchy and misogyny like, affects you as a person. And as far as storytelling goes, that's what's more interesting now, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just about your um, Harvey Weinstein's. It's about the system that supports those sorts of people being able to do that. Mm-hmm. So, your father Blackwoods exist, sure, but... How do the other men who are supported by that system affect that? The ones that are in your life. Mm. And that's so much, and like with Ambrose, I thought they might have been going somewhere with that with Luke as well a little bit. And they just sort of jettisoned that for, I know here's the New Testament uh, in Satanic Bible. Women suck and are going to be our slaves for eternity. It's like yeah. boring. It is. Yeah. No, it is boring, particularly since like the system already in place is misogynistic enough. Like, couldn't we just explore that That's the that thing, more? right? Yeah. Why can't we just keep fighting against the current system, which, is, you know, the top boy thing is, that's real too. You can mm. apply that to different scenarios, whether it's the long room at the MCG, which yeah. doesn't allow women in or, you know. Really? Exercise. I think that's changed now, but oh. for a long time, that was the case. Mm. Like... There were all there were these systems in place for a long time that mm. did exist that were yeah. men's clubs and boys clubs and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, because in the world of Sabrina, so we have like you know you can't have a high priestess. All mm-hmm. of like the council members, are men, all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. Like it's it's impossible to change the rules to like lift up women because the people making the rules are all men and they don't care. Like yeah. that, yeah. And that that would have been enough. So when you go, oh yeah, I just want to dominate the world and. I don't know. I just like Blackwood just stopped being interesting at all. I agree. And I, yeah, I thought it was a shame that he was so evil that he would even turn Zelda into like this puppet woman. I was like, I, I mean, I think he was genuinely attracted to her and like not only like her physically, but also like her mind and her faith and all of that kind of stuff. But then it didn't make sense that he would just turn her into a puppet. Mm. Because I think he did respect her in a lot of ways in the way that she was, like, conniving and could, like, manipulate people and all of that stuff. And he saw that she could be a benefit to him. Yeah. Yeah, so to turn her into a... So, if he was more more intelligent... Yeah, that's the thing as well. It's the the problem with the magic as a metaphor. It's just, like, it's too convenient. Mm. It's, like, you can still turn Zelda into someone who might work against her sister and her Mm -hmm. niece. But you do it subtly, you know? You seduce her and, like... 
make her work for you, make her believe in what you're saying. Yeah. Because she is dedicated to that yeah. faith, because she believes in you yeah. as that leader. And it was leader. even, more, I think, more effective when, like, they get married and just when they get married he or they're leaving, he makes her walk behind him. Yes. And that moment of, like, devastation, of, like, oh, no, like, I've given up my power. Like, yes. that moment was like, oh, shit. Definitely. So, we had, like, little moments like that to show that he's, like, slowly, like, breaking her yep. down to do that, I think would have been more interesting. Rather than come back, oh. And she's like, oh, hello. Yeah. Yeah, the whole Stepford Wives thing, I enjoyed. So, let's talk about the the more, the senior women in the cast. Senior women. I don't know. The adults. Let's yeah. talk about the adult women in the cast. Yep. Zelda, I really, I thought Miranda Otto was having a lot of fun with the mm-hmm. Stepford Wives bit. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed her performance in that. Very good. My, possibly one of my favourite scenes of the entire show is her grinding up Leviathan in the meat grinder on the that table. It's so, so good. And she is so funny in that bit. When Hilda and, and Sabrina are talking and she's just like getting the scraper out and like yeah. scraping up the like <laughs> Leviathan goo. I was like, this is fucking you know dark and hilarious. Counters? A dash of lime. <laughs> and then Hilda just goes, did you hear that? A dash of lime. <laughs> <That's> so good. <laughs> really, really enjoyed that stuff. It's very funny. Um found it uh, again when it comes to the, like the show being nonsensical i just need a little bit of effort put in mm. the anti-pope the head of your overall religion you are one covered inside this bigger like church mm. of darkness or whatever right the anti-pope is killed mm-hmm. not only do they have the anti-pope's funeral at your dumb little church the tiniest church in the world yeah <laughs> you decide to have the wedding the same day while the anti-pope's apparent murderer the nephew of the woman you're marrying is on the run? Yeah. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No. And can I also say this? The way that Sabrina says Auntie Zelda is Auntie Zelda and Auntie Hilda. And so the entire every time someone said the Auntie Pope, I imagined <laughs> Auntie Pope. Aunt Pope. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, auntie, saying auntie for auntie, just is, it sounds so incorrect to me. I hate it. Uh, there, I did get a lot of um, joy out of when Zelda's finally sort of broken out of her Stepford Wives thing and then she starts smoking again mm, and just getting back yeah. on her cigarettes. <laughs> I was like, that's the Zelda I yeah. know and love. Absolutely. Um, but Hilda, Lucy Davis, mm-hmm. is putting in such a consistently great work in this show. Agreed. The writing in this show is not great. And yet she elevates it all the time. I, my ultimate favorite, favorite, favorite scene this entire season is when she's sitting down with the woman who <gasps> yeah, when she poisons her, when she poisons so her with the good. arsenic cookie. I was like, that is a brilliant scene. I loved it because yeah, because I obviously knew that there was probably gonna end with poison or whatever, and just yeah, her conversation. I like that's like, what people sh- go on. Sorry, sorry, that's what people get. Oh, misunderstand about me. I yeah. Was like, Oh, and then I became very scared of Hilda, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah, finding that line that like it was because she because that woman makes a good point. Like all the things she says about Zelda and how Zelda treats Hilda is not wrong. Yeah, no. But Hilda has drawn a line. Mm-hmm. You know, she's extremely loyal to her family. Yeah, she loves her sister. And what I loved about that though was the the way that that scene turns a little bit. It's one of the cleverer bits of writing because you do expect that to be a truth cookie or something like that, right? She's mm-hmm. eating the cookie and then she's just spilling all this stuff, yeah. everything she thinks about Zelda and what she thinks about Zelda and Hilda's relationship. And then she says, oh, of course, I've, you know, taken on protections from magic. And she's like, oh, I know you did. That's why I filled those cookies with arsenic. Yeah. Dead. I was like, 
fuck me. That is so dark and cool. Yeah. Hilda is a badass. Yeah. And I, I just love, love that she's, because she's so well versed in magic. Yeah. Even though she's like kind of this doddering housewife type. Um, but she's, yeah, she's, you know, the best like potion maker and yes. that kind of thing and herbologist or whatever. Um, she's, she's a Hufflepuff. Yeah, she's very much a Hufflepuff. Um, so she's so well versed and intelligent in that way that she's constantly thinking about ways to solve problems that no one else is doing, yeah. which is really great. Like with um, the skeleton key and mm-hmm. then like the poison and all that kind of thing. I was like, oh, I just want Hilda to be our protagonist. Totally. It'd be so good. Yeah. And like her ongoing, her like uh, sexuality type stuff is really interesting too. You know, she's got none of the confidence that Zelda has mm. when it comes to like... Zelda talks about all like the sex demons she's had sex with and stuff in the past. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I've tangled with plenty of sex demons in my time, whatever. And he was just like, what? And then, you know, last season ended with her. I think we need to have our own separate bedrooms. And then she's hanging out with Mr. Cerberus, whatever his name mm-hmm. is. And, you know, when she dresses up for him and like, <laughs> you know, takes her man or whatever, that's yeah. a big victory for her. And she's enjoying herself in that way. And she's becoming suddenly more confident. And then she's doing badass stuff like this, as you said. She's She is a thinker. She's extremely sympathetic and like she's always got time for Sabrina to look after her yeah. and she but and like, for everyone I, she's always like you know calling me like darling and oh, oh like empathizing with people like oh like she's she is the most connected character to everyone else yeah than any other and like I said last season that I thought this is my favorite Lucy Davis performance mm. right and you said well what about Dawn and like good point mm. I think one of the reasons I love this performance though is that it she stands out as being the best part of this show yeah, for me. Totally. Like, while it might not... While maybe Dawn is more iconic ultimately for her and Dawn and Tim is a great part of that show, she's also surrounded by, like, what um, the other cast members are doing in that show. Mm. And this one, she stands out above all of them. I love... she every mm. a Hilda scene, I will come back for a Hilda scene. Yeah. I love that stuff. And then Michelle Gomez, we've already talked about a bit, but... What, okay, Alexis Denisov shows up. Uh, good old Wesley yes. from Buffy. Nice to get a little Buffy alum in there. Um, what? What? Why? <laughs> why? What are we doing here? It was just so stupid because I'm like, how on earth is this man thinking that this is a woman he's had an intimate relationship with for a very long time? Yeah. When she doesn't know anything about. The woman she's replaced, really. She Mm-mm. always seems confused about what he's talking about. She asks her assistant to tell me everything you know about this guy because I got no idea who yeah. this guy is. Yeah. Um, that seemed really silly. And I, I, the problem is that you you see the the strings, I guess, of like where they're going with it or what they're trying to do. And I think like that is a good idea. The execution is so lazy that I'm just like, oh, clearly. She's like meant to be falling in love with this guy, though I don't believe it for a fucking second because he's like the most vanilla nothing that I just don't believe. He's just he's just doing what Nick Scratch does, which is like being deeply invested in her (laughs) as like the only important thing his entire life. Yeah. Although he's been missing for six months now, twelve months, he's just been somewhere else with no correspondence with Miss Wardwell at all. Just rocks back and goes, "Oh yeah, let's get married," like we said we're going to. I love you. Classic relationship. Okay. Yep. Classic. <laughs> totally not toxic. Nothing going wrong there no, at all. No, that seems normal. Um, yeah, so it was just a bit silly. I mean, I, the fact that 
as an example of like... She count the size in this episode. <laughs> Drink whenever broad size. They're like, you know, it, it was... Towards the end, it was a good demonstration of how terrible and abusive the relationship between Lilith and Satan is. No, it's not but, just terrible and abusive. Satan is a really petty bitch. Like... Oh, yeah. He's d- the sorry. Not, bitch is not a great word. But he is like really just a petty little... He makes her eat her boyfriend. <laughs> That that's like that was a power move. Like that is that. insane. <laughs> and then she's there like vomiting up her boyfriend. It's fucked. <laughs> when that happened, I was like, so first like the mouse gets gr- or the rat gets ground up, and then Lilith eats Adam. And I was just like, fuck, this show is doing some stuff sure. that makes me feel very ill. Had I missed something? Adam was legitimate, wasn't he? He, he really was. was. I kept it, waiting for him to turn. But yeah, he was. He I was, was waiting for the legitimate. reveal that really it was Satan in disguise, trying to like tempt her and show that she wasn't loyal. And there, that's his excuse for going to Sabrina and not to Lilith because she wouldn't stay. Like there was something you could have done there. Yeah. And then instead, she just gets pissy with Satan for being a shitty boyfriend, and then goes and makes her own boyfriend mm-hmm. with her rib, which is like, oh, that's cool. Like Lilith doing the Adam thing. Yeah. Um, she should have called the. Dull thing that she made the scarecrow thing, Evan. I agree. When she called him Adam, Adam I'm like, like, that doesn't make sense because no. Adam, anyway. Adam, Adam created Eve, You've, you well, should have God created. did, but yeah, you used Adam's rib. Right. Yeah. So that should have been Evan. Yeah. <laughs> right. That uh, would have been funny. That's, I kept thinking, I was, she like, was Evan, like, Evan, Evan. And oh, so Adam I shall why. call you Evan. <laughs> 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 Michelle Gemma's would have loved that. Yeah. And then it, that, that lasts, like, happens in one episode, is dead next episode. Mm. Like, and she's like, oh, discreetly, thump, 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 because you're a giant <laughs> hulking scarecrow. Discreetly kill Sabrina, now she's vulnerable. Oh, that didn't work, but we're going to work. T- oh, oh. <laughs> so dumb and boring and un. It's just not thought out at all. It felt so, the whole thing felt rushed. Like, bunch of teen drama stuff. Shit, we got to wrap this up. Uh, apocalypse prophecy done. That's what the whole thing felt like to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's what it was. Okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about? It was a bit about? of a romp along the way. Why not? Why not? Dorian Gray. What the fuck? Why is he in this show? I don't know, but I do enjoy how like bisexual everyone is in this show. Sure. Yeah. Which is it's like particularly like the men are just like just being real sexy with everyone, and I enjoy that. Sure. Mm. Uh, there's a bit where and I did think when he come, like after he's been shot in the throat and then he comes back and he's like I'm very hard to kill I quite enjoyed that scene there was a bit where he he witnesses something and here's something that Nick and Sabrina say I can't remember what it was it's about the familiar right and then he rings Father Blackwood mm-hmm. and says oh by the way you should know this and he's like what do you want for this he's like I don't want anything I'm merely a spectator um, you literally <laughs> just interfered with this entire scenario. <laughs> You're not a spectator at all. You I'm just- not invested. <laughs> I just wanted you to know this important information. I just want to get involved mm. because that's how spectating works. Like, what do you want from this? Oh, nothing. I just want the next scene to happen. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that's but that's exact. That's exactly my problem. Of course, it's stupid <sighs> and badly written. Okay, sorry. I'll stop going on. Come on, Brad. Uh, also, Salem does nothing. Like, Salem has nothing to do. Salem so is a sad. non-entity. Okay, this is something that bothered me. Yeah. So when Sabrina is denying Satan's wish or whatever, um, and one of the consequences is that he makes Salem sick and about to die, mm. and she's still like, I don't know what to do. If Satan hurt 
my beautiful cat yes. Mao, I would burn down a million buildings in a second. I'd be like, I'll do whatever you want. Wouldn't hesitate. Not for a millisecond. There was a bit, agreed with you 100%, yeah. where Nick comes out and says, oh, by the way, I've been, I, I originally connected with you because Satan told me to. And mm-hmm. she's like, how dare you? How dare you do that to me? And he's like, I had to. And she's like, no, you didn't. I was like, you literally were going to burn down the school because Satan told you to. Like, you only did it. Do you remember the first bit of the season? Like yeah. that was a lesson you learned is that you can't say no. It literally cannot say no. You were going to do it. And then the only reason he did is because he said, actually, don't, because I don't want you to burn yeah. down this set because I kind of want to keep these walls around, apparently. <laughs> and but Michelle the... Gomez needs somewhere to hang out other than her tiny house. <laughs> that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Uh, but yeah, no, that's the thing is, like, Sabrina's such a fucking asshole. An asshole. She's, yeah, she just doesn't think. Doesn't think anything through. She never has a skeptical mind either. Like, no, it's annoying. When, her, when Ghost Dad shows up and says, Oh, I was killed by Father Blackwood, and my testament is at the back of the at the bottom of the ocean or whatever. She's like, "You betcha!" <laughs> my dad just fucking showed up. She's never like that. Was okay. That scene was very funny. That made me laugh so much. So they're just like hanging out at Dorian Gray room or whatever the fuck its yeah. stupid name is. Yep. Uh, her Nick just which have- doesn't allow women, except that it does. It does. But go on. You know, um, they're just sipping on some lattes or whatever, and she looks over and she's like, "Oh, there's my dead dad." <laughs> And Nick's like, wait, wh- what? And she's like, oh, my dead dad's just over there. And he's like, oh, cool. And then she goes up and has a conversation with her dead dad. <laughs> yeah. And then casually walks back and he's like, oh, he just told me this. And Nick's like, wow, that's cool information. <laughs> what the fuck just happened? <laughs> her dead dad is a bit. It's like, isn't this a big fucking moment? She doesn't, he, he died when she was a baby. Wouldn't she be like, oh my God, dad, I miss you. I love you. It's just like, oh, bitch, he did what? It's insane. It's crazy. But I love it, you know? Why not? Why not? That's exactly it. It's a bit, it happens in like the second last episode as well. Do you remember the little, the kid, the ghost kid? Yeah. He shows up to just go, oh, by the way, I saw this thing. They're at the church. Thanks. Thanks, Ghost Kid. And then later on, he's like, does the same. It's like, thanks again, Ghost Kid. You can disappear now. <laughs> you, t- you, you did what I needed. Yep. Thanks for pushing the plot yeah. forward. <laughs> Goodbye. We'll like, never see you again. Yeah, Sabrina's like, go hide in the graveyard, you and the other kids, so it's safe. I'm like, they're fucking ghost children. Like, what are they running from? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I, I know we've talked about how there's like only six sets in this entire mm. show, but I love like we introduced the Dorian Gray room and yeah. then like every other event that isn't in the Desecrated Church. It's like, yeah. it's like we can't keep having mixes in the Desecrated <laughs> Church. We've got to come up with a new place. It's the peach pit. <laughs> it's the peach. This is our bronze. Mm-hmm. It's like one room yeah. uh, with two levels and we're going to do everything here. It's one room with like half a mezzanine. It's not two levels. Well, I just want to know. I, I just don't know where it is. I, what I, this is the thing as well. When it, the world feels small, it's like mm. sometimes it feels like Dorian's grey room is like attached to the school. Well, I was like, is this like a Hogsmeade situation? Yeah. Where does it exist? I've got no idea. Where does this exist? Um, does Harvey go there at one point? I feel like maybe he's there at one stage. No, surely. They wouldn't let a mortal in. There's I think, no I think it was when things were getting a bit crazy and Harvey just happened to be sort of everywhere seeing shit. I don't know. I think no, that, I think that was at the school because that's when he sees the ghost kid and he's like, what the fuck? A ghost oh, yeah, kid? he goes yeah. to the school. That's right. And then he walks down Sabrina being all Avatar. Yeah. Sabrina and stuff like that. And yeah, I don't know. It, it, I just I have no idea where this place is. They seem to go there and have drinks between classes. They're going there for dates and stuff. It's like what? <sighs> when 
Sabrina is um, Jesus and she's got that deep voice and is like proclaiming all these things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so what's her name? Keenan, Ke- Ke- Kernan. Keenan Shipka. Keenan, that, that one. Miss Shipka. <laughs> uh, when she's, <laughs> when she is trying to be. Janora. Janora, oh. yes. When, yeah. When she is trying to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like epic, menacing. Oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, menacing, epic. Um, she does Godly. this thing, which I think she feels is like pushing forward the power, but mm. it's this head bobble thing that makes her look like a 14-year-old girl trying to be strong. Yeah. And it's just like, it doesn't seem like you're possessed by an evil force. Uh, it, it was just like... The director should have been like, you just need to say that straight and don't bobble your head. Yeah, you need to be less, yes. if anything. You need to be to be like, scary. Like, hold strong in your power yeah. and be still... Be possessed, yes. right? Something else is controlling you here. This mm-hmm. is, like, not you. Yeah, get out of your, like, body as, like, a young woman. And, like, you know, it's, it's it takes a while to come into yourself in that way. But if you're, like, this ancient power, then, yeah, you need to kind of just let that be. Um. Something I so that performance was quite bad. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, agreed. I did enjoy of all the stuff that Miss Shipka did this season. She did seem to be having fun when she was Mandrake Sabrina. At least I enjoyed. Yes, I enjoyed that because like, I was like questioning her abilities, and then like the Mandrake thing was happening. I was like, oh, she's having a good time she, with she, this. There is like quite a bit of talent here. I think just she's given shit, and she like is obviously struggling with who Sabrina is because I think the show is itself. Absolutely. Like it's not her fault. Yeah, totally. Um, that just quickly before we move on to final thoughts, the ending of last season, I was like, "Oh, she signed a name in the Book of the Beast." This feels like a betrayal of what the the mission statement of the show was. Mm. Do we feel like we got enough out of that to have happened last season? Like, if say we she didn't sign a name in the Book of the Beast, right? Mm. Last season, would that have mattered? Like, just take that out of the prophecy, right? Does that do anything to Sabrina? Except Mel, I, I, I think she has about five minutes in the first episode where she's like, "Oh, I can't be with you guys because I'm evil now." And then it's just, it's not a thing. It's not an event, it's right? Not a thing. It yeah. didn't lead to it. Didn't lead to anything interesting. It didn't lead to any interesting dynamics. There was the whole like she can't say no to Satan. Yeah. Until she puts Satan in a fucking prison and then yeah. like puts it's like it wasn't. Well, that's the thing is like you think that would be the catalyst for like self reflection and finding out who you really are despite what the world around you says you are. Yes. But there is no reflection in this show. No. It's not a moment of it. So like we're it's it's just not gonna happen. Yeah. And you just have to accept that. <laughs> no, I do not. I have to stop watching the show well, is what I have to go. do. I'm probably gonna keep watching it, but yeah. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes, Damask? One thing. Um, so, Papa Spellman. Um, not the ghost version of him, but just the normal guy. So, his, like, doctrine or whatever is eugenics. Um, well, yes and no. I, so, it, was he suggesting that... reading, like, s- Superman? <laughs> like... I, a Freudian Nazi thing going on? I don't necessarily think that's true. I think... Oh, I, don't, I didn't... Honestly, didn't read into it that much. I think the idea that you could intermingle and that ultimately that the bringing together of mortals and witches mm. was going to make for a stronger human race was going to be the thing there. But not necessarily that you had to, like, every witch was going to get paired up with a mortal. Well, that's mortal. what they seem to be saying, That's though. what Be- Nick said. <laughs> it's like, like, well, well, don't... If you believe in that doctrine, shouldn't you be with a mortal? 
And then I kept thinking it was like, Sabrina, you got the ultimate out here. You can go which way you want. You're half of each. But then also like when Sabrina's like doing her sermon on the mount or whatever and Prudence comes up and she's like, just because your dad does, like did that doesn't mean it's like an imperative for us to do it. But that's it. that's what she's preaching. Well, I believe. Yeah, well, that's what well, she's preaching. I believe. Though, is that like, that's what everyone should be doing. And it made me go... Oh, I don't... Because they're kind of like saying like, oh, it's all about like diversity and stuff, but it's all about like making people breed to make a mega human. I'm just like, oh, no. oh sorry, you're probably right. I'm just I'm just remembering they had that cool party at Sabrina's place where mortals and witches showed up and like all hung out together. Wasn't what? that cool? Yes. I like that I didn't see anyone at that party. Though I did see two guys making out actually at one point. I, I did like, notice that too. Just yeah. outside, mm-hmm. on the outside of the car or something like that. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's a nice yeah. little just subtle detail because that's exactly what would happen. Uh... I just want to go through some fun satanic sayings that I enjoyed oh, this season. I quoted yes. a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I study sacred geometry was one I liked. Mm-hmm. Sister Zelda, you are hell sent. That's from uh, <laughs> Father Blackwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get the heaven out of here. Yeah. Just anti-pope as a, as a term. Mm-hmm. Made of dishonor. Yeah. Your disgrace. I love mm-hmm. that one. Uh, a hail Malthus pass instead of a hail Mary pass. Right. I like <laughs> an unholy shit. I think someone says in the last one. And someone said something about being christened at one stage. I was like, shouldn't that be anti-christened? Well, no, because they have a dark christening. A dark christening. Mm. Dark christening. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like the detail that R- Roz lost her virginity at Bible camp. Yeah. <laughs> so she, like, apparently she's like, oh, you've not seen Bible yeah. kids until you've seen them at a party. These kids go right off. Yeah. I was like, that was pretty cool. Uh, the We haven't talked about this at all. The demon hunting missionaries. Mm-hmm. They were kind of fun. Like, yeah. as campy and silly as it was, I like, I like inverting that mm. idea, making them menacing and stuff. When they turned out to be angels a little bit, did you have to make them angels? But I suppose yeah, we couldn't I, have Sabrina killing human beings, you know? But also, like, that's the only way that, like, mortals could be scary to witches. Because, like, sure. when they first came to the school, I'm like, why are all these witches hiding, like, from mortal that doesn't make any sense they've just got like bows and arrows and then like they come out and like start like kicking their butt or whatever and then the angels are like ha, 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 we're angels and then it's scary at that point mm. but up until then i was like these mortals are just dumbasses if they think they can hurt witches sure i just occurred to me as well i remember last season we were thinking that harvey was gonna maybe end up being a witch hunter mm. and instead she's got her own little scooby gang now with Ugh, them it's like people that boo. are fucking shit yeah. i hate all of them i i just want them i wish they Oh, when Theo is grabbed at that, like the Hellmouth. Yeah. And I was like, oh, sick. He's going to be like taken into the Hellmouth and something's going to happen to him. He might be like a Hell Beast next season or something. But then he just gets spat out again. I was like, oh, okay, cool. No consequences. <laughs> well, it was just, even just watching that scene though was so clunkily done. Cause he's like, oh my God, we stopped them. Turns around, backs towards the <laughs> gate. It's like, now that I'm safe. What, don't, don't force this <laughs> shit, guys. But um, also, just like the bad writing when like, <laughs> Harvey's like manically like drawing that stuff. And because Theo has nothing to do, he's just like grabbing them and just going, just keep drawing, Harvey. Just keep drawing. I'm like, yeah, no, he is. Like just like little lines like that that are just like, you just want someone to say something even though it's just stating what I'm literally seeing. Yeah. And then there was what wasn't the solution there. It's like the gate started. It was like, oh my God, it's not working. And Theo's like, maybe Maybe we we just don't don't have have enough. enough. Picks up one more, puts it down. Oh, now it works. Thank mm. oh God, Theo! Thank you so much. Brilliant, <laughs> so character motivated in that moment. You could have at least scrunched it up and like tossed it like a basketball yeah. to make it something to do. With- 
<laughs> something to do Fuck, with that's like. That's funny. I like that. I really like that a lot. <laughs> Just to make it thematic. Mm, so um, oh, then they because remember they had that resolution with Theo as well, like the bullets. Like I respect you now that you're a guy and you shaved your head. And and you tripped me down the stairs and broke my leg. That is so strange. That yeah. So the guy falls down the stairs and breaks his legs. Theo's he's, broken up about it. Like he's like, oh what's up? What have I done? And the guy's like, oh, all it took was for me to break my leg <laughs> for me to see you as a human being. That's it. It's like what? <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. It's never happened. But cool. That's uh, all you need to like get rid of transphobia. Just break their legs. The. Sabrina's badass line when she's defying Satan in the last episode. Satan's like, you know, I'm going to make you my daughter bride sort of oh, thing. So Whatever's weird. going on, really strange. Uh, the Blackwood was talking about like getting his kids to like have a children together and stuff. He was going what? to, yeah, yeah. He was like, I'm going to purify the Blackwood line by having uh, Judith become the bride to Judas. What? Yeah, he's just saying he was going to do. No, he was going to feed Judith to Judas. No, 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 no. It was going to make breed them together to purify the Blackwood line. This is once, once, oh, once the Judas that, was back. He, was he renamed like, it Judith. He was like, no, 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 because like, no, no. And that was originally Zelda's thing was like he's going to kill this baby, mm. right? Because he doesn't want because she's the first oh, one. That's way he was like, yeah. no, we're gonna. Get pretty sure fuck. that's right. They're gonna they're gonna have baby. Like I'm going to betroth her. To Judas. Oh. When they're 16, he's going to have make a baby with her and the Blackwood line's going to be purified, is what he was saying. All right. Good on him. So, that was good set up for the fact that Satan was like, oh, yeah, you're mine to Sabrina. My daughter, you're coming with me and being mm. my queen. Um, but, yeah, he says all this stuff. I can't remember what it was, you know, blah, 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 what they're going to do. And she's like, sorry, I have school. And that's the, the badass line. No. <laughs> good try, though. One last thing. Mm. Did you notice the weird wall of shoes in the Spellman household? I did, yeah. What's going on there? I don't know, but I like it. I really like the set dressing in this show. Yeah, I, I, love I that assumed house. it was like part of like Zelda's like wardrobe room, or something like that. Thing? Yeah. Yeah. But it seemed like a hallway. Someone was just like walking through it to get somewhere else, but I don't know. I love that house. But yeah, I it was cool. love that yeah, house. The design of that house is incredible. Yeah. Least favourite and favourite episodes. What was your least favourite episode? Uh, chapter 15, Dr. Cerberus's House of Horror. Yeah. I was like, why are you wasting my time with this bullshit? Um, I wasn't interested in any of the stories. I thought it was stupid and mm-hmm. I didn't really understand what we were doing. It was a shit version of the Dreams episode That's from exactly last what season. It was, yeah. And... All of it was on the nose with its metaphors mm-hmm. or it's like like it was all about um, setting up for what's going to come later or what's the word? foreshadowing it's going to come later. Mm. But you know what? Just do it. I don't need more prophecies and things telling me in advance how this is going to go down. Mm-hmm. Don't do that episode. And also like I thought it was kind of going to be like a morality tale, scary like House of Horror sure. Halloween episode. And then like with Theo's one like turning into like a tree or whatever. I was mm-hmm. like, it's just, it's not scary. And I'm not sure what the morality tale is here. I was like, I don't even, I don't know what we're doing right now. You know, what's yours? Um, also just that episode. Um, I just thought it was, I th- actually for a while I thought it was going to be a bottle episode. I was mm. like, if we all get stuck in this, like this Sir Dr. Cerberus is together like with a, a monster Russell or something or like something. that, something like that, yeah. that could be fun. Mm. But then, yeah, there's these all, yeah. People are just coming and going and. Yeah. People are in that shop 
a lot, and it seems like a very niche shop. Very. very well, it's the cafe is directly attached to it. Right, Like Zelda's... Yeah. No, no, no. Roz is there, and she's blind at that mm. point. And you buy your ghoulish gum and get a latte. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And buy your Archie <laughs> comics as well yeah. in there. Uh, my least episode was Chapter 20, Mephisto Waltz. I was just, I was so done at that point. Like, that, I was, was that the last episode? That's the last episode. Yeah. I was just like... For me, the disappointment started with... Oh, here's Satan as a person. I was like, you, I maybe everyone thinks it's dorky, and maybe that's true. Mm-hmm. But I love that Satan just is this goat person who appears sometimes. Why turn him into a boring, white, pasty Englishman? Because he's Satan. It's just nowhere near as interesting. When people are worshipping a goat demon... Is so much more interesting to me than uh, did not. It did nothing for me. The Lilith yeah. stuff is interesting in theory, mm-hmm. except they kind of have uh, half told that story a million times this season. Once we knew she was Lilith, we have the play, and we have all the stuff happening with Adam and and uh, Satan being petty and jealous of her, mm. and like I didn't. To see it again, the stuff we saw in the play, essentially, I don't know. It wasn't even what that well told. You could have done a whole episode like that, right? Maybe brought, you know, really delved into the mythology of witches and stuff like that. But it's just a couple little yeah, shots Yeah, no, I agree. Inside. I would have... Uh, give me more of that. Give me more of Lilith. I don't know. Favourite episode? Uh, chapter 17, The Missionaries. Um, sure. Is when she becomes Jesus. And I was just like, fuck you, you're so... Felt like a metal song and I was, I was living for it. That, that was cool. She's mm. bringing people back to life. Mm-hmm. She's, yeah. I was like, holy fucking shit. Next level. It was cool imagery. Definitely. Uh, mine was episode one, chapter 12, The Epiphany. Mainly just because my hopes were super high at that point. I was kind of on board for its silliness with like the the like competition between her and Nick as well. I didn't care for that. I was I was just at least having fun with it. I didn't care. I, mm. I, I didn't care for it a lot either. The metaphor is on the, no, on the, you know, knocking mm. over the head, whatever. On the nose. Um, I thought it was interesting that in that first trial where they're doing like their general knowledge, like mm. uh, mastermind bit, they didn't account for magical intervention there at all. You're <laughs> a fucking witch school. You didn't think for a second like maybe someone might try and cheat this mm. with magic. Bit weird. <laughs> Bit dumb. Um, and mainly I just my I don't know. I'm being lazy with this because I just did not enjoy the season. My hopes were at their highest at that point. Mm-hmm. Do you have any predictions, hopes or concerns going forward? Um, no, I'm so I'm just gonna have fun with it next season. I don't really, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how we go. But I don't have any prediction. I mean, apparently they're gonna go get Nick out of hell, even though that doesn't make any sense. But yeah, that'll be that'll be one episode. Because if they're gonna bring that actor back, they're gonna have him as part of the main court cast. So mm. episode one into hell, out of hell, adios. Maybe. I don't know about that, but yeah. There'll be consequences, maybe. But maybe there won't be. Because Sabrina is freaking the most important person in the world. Um, So, I assume you don't have any predictions, hopes or concerns because you're no longer invested. (laughs) My my prediction is that we will not be reviewing Sabrina Season 3. I think that's accurate, yeah. (laughs) I can't force you to do it, so. (laughs) We did. This is is my search party. Like, no, I'm not going back. Not for the same reasons. (laughs) I just don't... It's not a matter of like this is troubling to me. Mm, you just I don't want to invest uh, the time I, in it anymore. Yeah, not interested anymore. Yep. Thank you very much for listening to me rant about Sabrina. 
and sigh heavily during this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song from Jordan Calavis. And our bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their works in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Next episode, we'll be back to conclude our series on The Legend of Korra by discussing the fourth and final season. Looking forward to that. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you in a couple of weeks, more than likely. Mm -hmm. Bye for now. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.